Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to our very first show of a new year. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Our first guest of 2020 is beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. But first, a few of my thoughts to get us rolling on this new year. I have to say it took me days again to get over our loss to Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. I really thought we had a chance in that game. And after the first half, I was certain the new year was going to get off to a better start than many of the media and even our fan base had predicted. The second half was an all-too-familiar story. The opposition makes adjustments, and our offense disappears, and our defense just flat-out wears down. Granted, it only happened four times this season, but it was four times too many against the four best teams that we played. In the days that followed, I did not read one post-game story or analysis. I really didn't need to. I knew how and why we lost, and that this was going to be another long off-season with many questions and probably changes in store for the program again. We'll have plenty of time in the coming months to discuss all of that, though. I think we all agree we need a mental break from football, if only for a while. The winter sports scene will bring a well-deserved diversion from our football headaches. I know we were all keeping an eye on Jawan Howard and his team as football season wound down, and in November and December we were pleasantly surprised. In the last three weeks, the team has come back down to earth, losing four games. I still have a feeling they are going to provide us with a lot to talk about and enjoy in these winter months. This season and the future of Michigan Hoops I think is a bright spot. My guest today has some interesting thoughts though on the present and the future of Michigan football and basketball. Joining us next is beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Here on the Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maize and Brew, so stay tuned. on our game day segment as we get the ball rolling on 2020 is Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Happy New Year and it's great to have you back on the show, Orion. Happy New Year and good to be back. And it's a busy start to the year, of course. Uh, It started on New Year's Day with the Citrus Bowl. So let's talk about football first because that's the majority of uh, my email these days uh, since last Wednesday. And, you know, we've had several days to, uh, you know, kind of digest that Citrus Bowl loss to Alabama. You know, but in the end, when you look back on that game, Orion, did it pretty much play out like you thought it would? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I was a little surprised, I guess, at Alabama's lack of emphasis on the run earlier in the game. I thought that they would come out and, and just sort of run the ball and Michigan wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Um, they had a powerful offensive line. They had a powerful running back. I, I think uh, Harris almost like a little Derrick Henry. He's, you know, he's, he's another version of another big back in that sort of same style as Harry Henry. Um, but they really came out and they, and they tried to throw the ball and Obviously, they were pretty successful with a few explosive plays, but Michigan was able to, you know, bait Mac Jones into making a few bad throws. Um, you know, they almost had one pick on a, on a trap coverage, and, and he missed a couple as well. And I think that was one of the reasons why the game was, was close. Um, the defense played well in the first half, 
And then obviously you, you look at the offense, and I think that was one of the best halves that the offense has played all season long. The only problem is that Michigan had the same problem as Ohio State did against Clemson. It wasn't turning those long drives into a touchdown, so it was ending in field goals. But I think you can be encouraged by the offense. Um, obviously, Alabama's really talented on defense, and you saw Josh Gaddis call some really good plays. Um, the execution was good. It, it, it looked, I thought, like a, like a really good offensive performance in those first uh, 30 minutes. But were there any other positives that Michigan fans can glean from that game? Obviously, Daxfield, you know, was was hurt on that first touchdown, the 85-yard touchdown. He was in coverage there. But that's Jerry Judy. He's really tough to guard. I thought overall Dax Hill played a, played a solid game. He was around the ball, flying around the field. Carlo Kemp didn't play, uh, so Chris Hinton played a lot inside. I thought he acquitted himself well. I, I didn't think he was getting blown off the ball. Um, I mean, it's, it's a tough assignment, obviously, to go up against Alabama like that, but I thought he, he played all right. I thought uh, on offense, Giles Jackson was a bright spot, obviously. Um, he led the team in receiving, and he, and he looked, again, like a piece that's perfectly fit for Josh Gass' offense. So I think fans are going to be excited to see what he can do next year. And then Charbonnet, Zach Charbonnet running back, I thought he ran with explosiveness, good vision. Uh, he was making some good cuts. Uh, I thought he had a good game as well. A lot of the talk we've been hearing from a national perspective, I don't know so much that the concentration on this topic has been uh, as much local, but the opinion seems to be that there's a huge talent gap between Michigan and the you know the five or the six elite programs in college football. I don't know if that's perception or is reality, but what can Michigan do? And I think this is really uphill to start and close that gap. Yeah, uh, if you look at the, the past you know four years of recruiting rankings, there, there is a noticeable gap just in terms of how these teams have recruited. You're, you're talking about Ohio State and Alabama, basically the top two teams in the nation in terms of recruiting over the past four or five years. And then you have Michigan, which is, you know, top 15, which is still really good, just not in the same level as Ohio State and Alabama and, and maybe even Georgia. Um, and then you get down to Clemson or is around there, et cetera. Um, Michigan's not there yet, and it's going to be hard to get there until you start winning some of these games, obviously. That's just how it goes in recruiting, you know. Some, some of these top recruits, they want to go to these championship contenders. They want to go to Ohio State. They want to go to Alabama. Um, it, it's tough for Michigan to get there without winning some of these big games first. Um, and, and obviously this is a cyclical problem because then again, it's it's hard to win these games without that level of talent. You, know, you have to put together, you know, a full 60 minutes. We saw against Ohio State and Alabama how well Michigan played in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. But then they didn't really they didn't really follow it up in the second half. You know, you, against these teams, you have to be on your game. You have to play well throughout the entire game. You have to finish. You can't leave points on the table. You can't make mistakes. You can't commit penalties. And you've got to be well coached. I mean, it's just all of these things um, are in play when you're just not as talented. When when you're undermanned, everything has to go right. Or the other team has to make mistakes. And then Alabama and Ohio State really didn't do that. So, But, but yeah, I mean, in, ter- in terms of closing the talent gap, Michigan can recruit better. You know, they can sign more blue-chip guys. I thought the 2019 class was a, was a return to form when you look at Jim Harbaugh's recruiting. I thought his strongest two classes were the – 16 class and the 17 class. The 18 class, they had some struggles in, in closing out on some top targets. Uh, the 19 class, they did better. 2020 class wasn't quite where the 19 class is, but it was still better than the 18 class. And, and then you look at the 2021 class, that could be a really good class. There's a lot of top players concentrated in the Midwest. Michigan already has a five-star quarterback committed in the class in J.J. McCarthy. That could be another top-10 level class, and, and, and that's how you do it. You, you stack on these 
really highly rated classes and you stack them up and then that's how you close the talent gap. Well, there is no doubt a lot of work to be done in the off season, and we've already had a few departures, some expected. Uh, Cesar Ruiz and Donovan Peoples-Jones are leaving. Uh, however you feel about that, they've made the decision. Nico Collins coming back, that sort of, that surprised me a little bit, but any surprises overall to you in that group? Uh, no, I, I thought Cesar Ruiz played well um, the season. I, I thought he showed um off his athleticism. Um, he's a really smart player up front, you know, getting machines to write calls and all that. I, I don't know what else there really is for him to prove, I guess. Maybe he could come back and win the Remington Award or something. But, I mean, I, I assume that he made a decision with, with some insight into, you know, what draft grade he got. And, and I think he's going to be coveted just because he's a really athletic interior lineman. He can pull for a center. I mean, that's a pretty rare trait for an interior lineman. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones, obviously, like his production didn't line up with his ranking, but I think everyone can see that he's an athletic player. He's the type of guy who could go to the NFL combine and, and maybe perform well, maybe test well, and then that would help his draft stock. The, the key question for me, really, is that when I look at the offense, they obviously have to replace, I think, seven starters now, mm-hmm. right? Seven of the 11. The big question is whether another year in Josh Gaddis' offense can make up for the personnel losses, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. whether they can avoid you know, you know, because this year they had a lot of transition costs just in terms of adapting to the new offense. They weren't comfortable. They weren't really ready heading into the season and took some time to get used to it. I assume that will go away next year because they'll have now they'll have another full year um, of learning the offense under their belt. So can can that added uh, comfortability sort of make up for losing some of these guys that, that are leaving this year? I don't know. That's a big question. Well, another loss. It's a big loss. And, you know, coaches always say when you hire good coaches, you lose good coaches eventually. And Chris Partridge uh, taking uh, the job at uh, as DC at Ole Miss. And you knew sooner or later, as I said, someone was going to grab him. But that is a big loss for many reasons, isn't it, Orion? It is in terms of his uh, recruiting. I think Partridge was the team's ace recruiter. You look at the guys that he was in on over the past few years. I mean, he he won so many highly contested battles. I, I believe in his first year, he was in an off-field role until maybe around December. And, and during that time, he still was able to establish, establish himself as a force on the recruiting trail, despite not being able to leave Ann Arbor to recruit. I mean, he's just that good of a recruiter. Um, he was recruiter of the year the next cycle in 2017. He was Michigan's high-leverage recruiter. I guess I'll use that word. You know, they sent him into New Jersey where he had ties, right? Mm-hmm. But they also sent him around the country. Um, he, he helped out with Dax Hill, although that was mostly Sharon Moore. Um, he was their primary recruiter in Georgia where he helped reel in a ton of talent over the past, you know, three cycles in that state. It, it's, a, it's a tough blow because obviously he's such a force in the recruiting trail and Michigan's in such a pivotal point in terms of recruiting. You know, it's, it's trying to get back to where it was the first couple of years on the recruiting trail, and now it loses its top recruiter. So uh, I think the higher that Jim Harbaugh makes, he'll have to be recruiting-oriented. I think he has to look at, you know, a, a young up-and-coming star like Partridge who can be a force in recruiting. Well, you know, the emails that I've been getting since the, uh, really since the Ohio State and Alabama game seem to have, you know, a common theme uh, across them. It, to me, it feels like the fan base is, they're losing some faith right now. They're, they're depressed uh, with what they're seeing and what, you know, national writers and analysts are saying the long-term picture is for Michigan, uh, that it's a good program, but not elite. And you even see some writers saying, and it might never be again. Is that sort of the feeling that you get when you talk to Michigan fans too, O'Ryan? I don't know. I feel like more, more and more Michigan fans are coming to acceptance with where the program is right now. 
but I still, you know, hear from fans who are saying like, oh, Michigan's elite, you know, Michigan's the college football blue blood. Jim Harbaugh isn't doing enough. Michigan belongs up there in, in, with Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. Michigan should be in the playoff. Michigan should be competing for a national title. I hear all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, expectations going to be high. Um, I think that's never really going to change with Michigan fans. But just the simple reality is that the program is not there right now. You know, if you're expecting Michigan to consistently be up there with the top team in college football, you're going to be disappointed almost every year. Michigan's in a spot right now where every couple of years it can contend for a playoff spot. Like you saw in 16 and 18, um, it, it was right there up until the final day of the regular season competing for a playoff spot. That's where it is as a program. It's a really good program, not elite, and it can compete once in a few years for, for a playoff bid for a Big Ten title. But it just isn't at the spot where it needs to be in terms of competing for that playoff bid every single year. You know? Well, Orion, do you think that is a permanent reality or is that something that can eventually be overcome. I don't know if it's a current reality, but you, you look at the last, what, 20, 30 years of Michigan football, and, and really there haven't been that many stretches where you could say Michigan was a perennial contender, you know? Um, maybe in the late 90s, um, you know, they won that title game, and then Floyd Carr's recruiting took a huge jump upwards. But but even then, they were losing some weird games, and then they were finishing below expectations. So, I don't know. It, 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 just looking at the trajectory of Michigan overall, I think the program hasn't really been where some fans think it has been, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's there's this image of Michigan, and there's the reality of Michigan. Um, and I think some people are beginning to understand that the two aren't the same. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Like, obviously, it's going to be hard to catch up to Ohio State, but the one way that Michigan can improve on is, you know, don't lose to Penn State and Wisconsin every other year. You know, we've been seeing this trend where they lose to Penn State and Wisconsin in the uh, odd years, right, 17 and 19, and then beat them in the even years, 16 and 18. You know, one way to become a more consistent contender would be just to, to beat those teams more often because right now Michigan isn't on the same tier as Ohio State. It's on the same tier as Penn State and Wisconsin. That, that, that would be where I start is, you know, moving back up off of that tier. Well, last year, Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> new changes needed to be made with the offense, and he hired Josh Gaddis, and I think most of us agree that in the end that was a good change. We're seeing progress on the offensive side would you think he'll make some additional changes in this offseason to tweak the program i honestly can't know i think he's done a really good job of making basically all the changes that it made sense to make i don't know what else there is really i mean he can maybe you know overhaul the team's recruiting and then maybe try to find a way to, to gain another edge in the recruiting trail but in terms of like big structural changes i'm not nothing really comes out to mind you know off the top of my mind i guess the offense, I think, is a good spot. The defense, I think, is also in a good spot with Don Brown, um, even though he's, you know, he's had some struggles in these big games. But yeah, I mean, he's he's made big changes. Maybe he'll make more, but there's nothing that comes off the top of my head right now. Well, that's where we are with football right now. It's uh, it's going to be a, a hot stove league, I think, all winter, spring, and summer as we head for the season, the t- 2020 season. We'll see what happens, but I think right now everyone needs a, a break from football and basketball is. Uh, giving us that. Juwan Howard and his team made the trip to East Lansing on Sunday, and it was a long day. I think, actually, it was just too much Cassius Winston, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it, it was really two things. It was just an inability to slow down Cassius Winston, um, who also just played you know, a superb game, so, so you have to give your credit to him. And then uh, on offense, you know, Michigan was really hurt by a lack of spacing and, and the lack of shooting 
um, after Isaiah Rivers was not able to play with that groin injury. When you watch the offense, I agree with you on Sunday that uh, a lot of guys passing up open shots, and I don't know with Isaiah mm-hmm. out if uh, you know the rotation is you know still getting used to each other. You've got a lot of uh, young players you're throwing in the, in the game, but they had that sort of a deer in the headlights look uh, a lot of times on the offensive end, just passing up shots. Yeah, I thought it was notable early that Xavier Simpson was was getting in the paint and, and getting some of these kickout passes. And, you know, some of his teammates just weren't taking those shots. And then maybe if it had been Isaiah Livers in the corner, maybe Michigan hits a couple threes early on and, and you know, maybe takes like a one-point lead and, and isn't trailing the entire game like they were. I don't know. Maybe that would have changed the outcome. Probably not, given how well Cash has played. But you can see the difference, you know. Michigan went big. Um, not to single anyone out, but, you know, Brandon Johns took and missed two early threes. And then I think he was hesitant to shoot um, open threes from that point on. You know, which isn't really his fault. The three-point shooting isn't the biggest part of his game like it is for Livers. It's a tough spot for, for Johns, obviously, there. And then, um, you know, after the game, assistant coach Saudi Washington said that, yes, you know, there are a few players out there who, who were probably hesitant in shooting and that when they go back and look at the film, they'll realize they have more time to shoot than they thought. So we'll see if that changes. We'll see if that gets cleared up and, and some of these guys start letting it fly more often from yeah. outside. Yeah, and you know, watching this team, of course, we got off to the hot start and everyone got a little bit crazy about, you know, how the season was going to play out, especially when we got into the Big Ten meat and potatoes of the schedule. But, you know, my feeling watching this team is I'm not so worried about it right now. I I think it's a chemistry thing. Every year in college basketball, you have new players. You have to mesh with each other. I still think the upside is is really good for this team, don't you? Yeah, I, I honestly, my perception of the team has not really changed since that, uh, you know, that seven-game stretch where they played, you know, seven top 50 Ken Palm opponents. Yeah. I mean, they went four and three in that stretch. And they lost the last three, obviously, to Louisville, Illinois, and then Oregon. Not as lost as Michigan State. But my perception has not changed since the Battle of Atlantis, obviously. Um, the way I see it is this is a good team. This can be a really good team, as you saw against Gonzaga. Um, and I think they have all the pieces to make a tournament run. You know, they have a, a leader – in Xavier Simpson, who can, you know, get to anywhere on the court. Um, he can distribute, he can score. He, he's a really good point guard. You have a center in John Teske, who's really good defensively, really good offensively. That one-to-five combo is the anchor of the team. You know, any any good team really needs to have a good combo at the point guard spot and in the center spot. Um, and then they have pieces. You know, they have Isaiah Livers, who's shooting 50% from three. They have Franz Wagner, who's, you know, growing more comfortable with the game. They have guys like Brandon Johns who are high energy off the bench, rebounding-wise. David DeJulius, um, Eli Brooks has made leaps this season. I think they have the pieces to be a good team come March. Obviously, they've lost four games since that crazy stretch of opening season, but I, that hasn't changed you know, the perception of the team. It's, all the pieces are still there. They just they have to shoot better on the road. Uh, I think they have to improve their defense. But really, you know, this can still be a really good team. We've talked about how much this team misses Isaiah Livers. I think it's obvious to see that. The injury news on him, we know it's a groin injury, and it's uh, those things can really linger. They can be day-to-day, or they can be they can be longer. He could be out for quite a stretch, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he could. Although, I will say, John Howard seemed optimistic um, when I asked him about it on Friday. He was saying it was day-to-day. You know, He said he loved how Livers was progressing. And then obviously, he didn't play you know, something he didn't play, didn't dress, but they seem to be optimistic about where he is. And, and they said that he's done some uh, running up and down the court, something like that. He's, he's been at practice. So we'll see um, how long he's out. These groin injuries, as, as you mentioned, are you, you never really know, you know, the, the range of, you know, 
how long you're out could, could vary widely. Well, as we've mentioned, we, we saw the hot start, uh, very impressive wins over some very good teams, and now it seems like we're hitting a few bumps in the road. What are the biggest concerns you think for this team to overcome right now, Orion? I guess the biggest one would be finding a way to, to have enough offense without Isaiah Livers. <laughs> um, I know we keep talking about it, but he's such a big piece of the offense, the shooting things can really bog down without them in Big Ten play. Um, so finding a way to overcome that um, would be number one. And number two would be finding a way to hit shots in the road because they've, they've shot 11 of 60 from three-point range in three road games, which is just not going to get it done. Um, so finding a way – I mean, they, they shoot, I think, 42 43% at home and on neutral sites, which is just probably not sustainable over the course of the season. But even if you shoot like 35% on the road, that's a huge difference from what you're currently getting. So that would be number two. And then number three, probably just tightening up defense in key spots. You know, they, they struggle at times at Illinois with defending Cockburn, gave some buckets to their, their point guard, A.O. Desunmu. And then obviously you saw Sunday, they just weren't able to stop Cassius. Although I think that's more of just Cassius being Cassius and is the indictment of Michigan's defense. Still, you know, showing up the defense. It isn't what it is last year or, or the year before that, but I think they can improve on defense still. Well, and the big thing is it's, it's Juwan's first year as a head coach. Yes, he has surrounded himself with some very good assistant coaches, but your early thoughts on the job he's done so far this season. I thought he's done a good job. I mean, this offense is pretty different from what they used to run in terms of tempo, pace. Um, they've got new sets, obviously. Uh, some new personnel they have to replace last year's uh, three leading scorers. Um, and then on defense, you know, he's got the new ball screen coverage, that drop coverage. I think they've done really well with that. Um, obviously, still room to improve, but. Um, and, and then player development-wise, you, you look at some of the guys that, that are playing much better than, uh, and shown more in previ- than they were in previous years. That That's a testament, I think, to Howard and staff. He's gotten a lot out of uh, Eli Brooks, David DeJulius, Brandon Johns, uh, Colin Castleton, Austin Davis. Um, even you saw Sunday, he played well. Mm-hmm. And then the, the guys who were on the rosters who were on the team last year, Xavier Simpson, Livers, John Teske. I mean, those guys all played big roles last year, and, and you've seen them all improve in their games as well. Um, Teske has become more of a post presence. Livers can do more on offense. He's had some impressive drives. Uh, Simpson is going to his left more often. Stuff like that. You know, everyone on the roster seems to have improved. And then I guess you, you talk about in terms of getting the players to buy in. He's done a good job of that too. The players all love him. So if, if you look at every front of coaching, it seems like he's done a good job in his first year. Yeah, and I, I like the passion that he brings. Of course, you know he loves the university, but the passion uh, on the sidelines. He was working the refs hard the uh, entire game on Sunday, which we, we really haven't seen him do a lot this season. He got himself a tee, but he, he was working them hard the entire game, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. We haven't really seen that um, that often, but but he was constantly sharing conversations with refs, you know, talking about calls that he disagreed with on Sunday. So, I mean, it, it's a competitive game. You know, he, re- he really cared about that game, so... We'll see. I thought it was interesting what uh, Tom Izzo said uh, after the game that, you know, Coach B was so buttoned down as far as his approach uh, to the rivalry. And uh, Juwan is uh, a little more, uh, you know, demonstrative uh, when it comes to the Michigan-Michigan State game. And he liked that, too, he said. That comment, I think, was probably Izzo thinking more about Juwan as a player than Juwan as a coach. I mean, obviously, he picked up a technical foul, but but he's really only coached one game in this rivalry. And, and Beeline has moments, too. I, mean, I think there's a moment at Fresno Center in 2014, I think, where he got super heated. I think he picked up a technical foul then. 
Um, you know, Beeline had his moments on the sidelines. He got ejected from a game last year at Penn State. He wasn't like – people had this image of him as being, you know, this really buttoned-up, you know, nice guy who, who wouldn't say anything. But he was strategic and picked his spots. Obviously, he left the left refs alone more often than not, but he would blow up too. You know, he just wasn't the same level as like an Izzo or, you know, one of those other coaches that's constantly going after the refs. So we'll see. I mean, I think it's too early to, to draw conclusions about how different those guys are in terms of sideline demeanor. But it's, it's interesting that Izzo said that, for sure. Uh, you know, really, we're just getting into the meat of the the Big Ten schedule. Not too far away from, you know, a midterm report card or the middle of the season. But by the end of this month, I think the big picture is going should start taking shape. At this point in early January, you do still think this team has the pieces to... Uh, to make a run and, and be an NCAA team, though, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I think they'll make the NCAA tournament easily. I think they have all the pieces to make a run as well because, I mean, I, I look around college basketball, there is no true elite team this year. I think overall talent is down, um, and that, that's the result of, you know, a weaker recruiting class, 2019-2020 class um, than in recent years. Some of those guys went overseas. Some of those guys reclassified. So I think that uh, – Overall, college basketball isn't, you know, it's not a strong year. It's not a peak year for a lot of these teams, which leaves the door open for teams like Michigan. You know, they can they can rise to the top. When they're playing their best basketball, they're really hard to beat. Um, it's just about finding a way to, to play that type of basketball consistently, obviously, which is really hard to do. But I, I think they have all the pieces to be there at, uh, in March, you know, to make a run. Um, we'll see if they can get there. Obviously, um, you have to get there healthy, and we've already seen one, major contributor go down so um, that would be the thing i'm watching is thinking they're healthy you know final question for you today then orion um, there are no nights off in the big 10 as we have seen so far home court advantage is uh, ruling for sure this week we have purdue at home and then we head to minnesota on sunday uh what do you think of michigan's chances against both of those teams purdue has really struggled to score in big Ten play i think michigan has a really good chance of winning that game at home um and then Minnesota on the road, I mean, that's a tough one. It's a really, really tough game. Every road game in this conference is going to be hard. But I think Michigan has a chance as well. Xavier Simpson and John Tineski have won there before. Um, they've played there before. They, they know what it takes to win on the road. And Minnesota isn't you know, the same caliber team as Louisville or Michigan State. And I think Illinois is better too. So I guess you can consider this Michigan's easiest, quote-unquote, road game of the season thus far. It'll still be really hard, but it, it should be they, they should be within striking distance of a win. It's a big week, though. You're just coming off a Michigan State loss and uh, Purdue, yeah, struggling. Minnesota on the road, yeah, that's always going to be tough. But y- you don't want to get a skid going. You'd like to at least, worst-case scenario, uh, get a break in these two games. They split them. Yep, I think that's uh, totally right. Obviously, you let the hold serve and win at home and then maybe see what you can do on the road, maybe sneak a road win. Because um, at some point, they're going to have to win the road, so maybe maybe this will be the week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the big one, obviously, is Purdue at home. Can't lose that one. That, that's a huge game. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. As we said, we're just really getting the Big Ten schedule underway, so there's going to be a lot to talk about in uh, the coming month of January, February, and into March. And we are thankful to have uh, beat writer Orion Sang from the Free Press with us uh, today to uh, really, uh, it's our first show of the year, so to get the, the ball rolling on the year and talk about football, and we'll be talking about that a lot uh, down the road too. But our focus is going to be on basketball for the next couple of months. So Orion, as always, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and we look forward to that next visit. Take care, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew.
On Quick Hits today, the Big Ten basketball season is in full swing now. We need to get at least a split this week to avoid our first losing skid of the season. Thursday night, Purdue is at Chrysler. And Sunday, we head to Minnesota for another tough road game. Unless something changes, we'll be doing that without Isaiah Livers, who is still sidelined with that groin injury. In other news, the sophomore duo of Naz Hillman and Amy Dilke each produced 20-point games to propel the University of Michigan women's basketball team to a decisive 89-69 victory over in-state rival Michigan State at Chrysler Center on Sunday afternoon. Hillman led the Wolverines with her third double-double of the season, scoring 21 points and adding 12 boards, while Dilk notched her second 20-point contest with 23 points. The sophomore point guard also added five boards and three assists to her stat line. As a team, Michigan shot 56.7%, 34 for 60 from the floor in the contest, including 91.7%, 11 of 12 shooting in the third quarter. U of M scored an impressive 54 points in the paint, while making five shots from long range. The Wolverines will be back in action Thursday when they take on Ohio State at 6 p.m. down in Columbus. The game will be broadcast live on the Big Ten Network. They are 10-3 overall, 2-1 in Big Ten play heading into this week's action. Hockey fell 4-2 to Michigan Tech in the championship game of the Great Lakes Invitational on New Year's Eve at Little Caesars Arena. The Wolverines will head to South Bend to begin the second half of the season against Notre Dame this weekend. Friday night's contest will begin at 7 p.m., and will be broadcast live on NBC Sports Network. Puck drop for Saturday's game is scheduled for 6 p.m. It's been a disappointing season so far, but there is plenty of time to get things turned around and on track for hockey. We are 7-11-2, heading into this weekend series with Notre Dame. Remember to tell your friends and family about the show, and then join us each week as we continue to bring you what we think is the best coverage of your Wolverines during these cold winter months. And we ask that you like us and comment on the show wherever you get your podcast from. That will do it for another show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!